Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Kodakery. I'm Megan. And I'm Josh. Noelle Wells and Dalmar Weaver Madsen joined us this week to talk about Mr. Roosevelt, a film written, directed, and starred in by Noelle herself. Shot on film, Dalmar, the film's cinematographer, explained why she loves the medium, and Noelle tells us why it was a must for her first film. So, let's jump into the Kodakery and talk with them. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kodakery. Today in the Kodakery, Megan and I are thrilled to welcome two guests. Noelle Wells, who's the writer, director, and actress in the new film, Mr. Roosevelt, and the cinematographer of that film, Dalmar Weaver Madsen. Thank you both for joining us. So, Megan and I both got an opportunity to see the film. We loved it. It's just a wonderful film. We hope everybody out there gets a chance to see it. Before we really jump into the meat of the interview, Noelle, could you give us a little synopsis of what the film is about? Yes, and you would think that because I wrote it and I directed it that this would be easy, but I always get very flustered. (laughs) But it's essentially about a struggling Los Angeles-based comedian who has to um, return to her college town of Austin when her cat gets sick, and then she stays with her ex-boyfriend and her new amazing girlfriend for a weekend. Comedy ensues. (laughs) <laughs> you know you know how right. it goes and then right. the film ends right <laughs> yeah yeah then it's over <laughs> so so this is your your first feature film correct yes and what was it about this story that made this the right thing to kind of to jump into features with well i didn't know how i would be able to get it made and so i wrote a script that i knew i could make no matter what the, what happened. <laughs> so it was just sort of the economics of making your first feature film. That, that's why this story and not my, not my Transformers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is so, that, that's next though, right? That, yep. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, 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 we're talking, we're talking. <laughs> and Dalmar, you were the cinematographer for this f- film that uh, Noel has just elegantly described. When did you guys meet? So Noelle and I met, um, we were connected by Michael Clark through Beachside, who had seen Chris Swanberg's Unexpected at Sundance when I was there, and he liked it, and he was like, I think that these two ladies should meet, and we Skyped about the project. But even before I met Noelle, Michael had sent me a folder filled with a whole bunch of Noelle's photography, because she's actually an amazing photographer in addition to being really funny. And... When I saw these pictures, even before I read the script, I was like, this woman's really inspiring. I really want to know who this person is. And then we got to Skype, and I was just like, she's so funny. I hope I get to work with her on this project. Aww. That's a cute <laughs> All of Noelle's photography is on film, and that really struck me because so many people these days are not doing that, and it's just it's still my favorite medium and it still has such an interesting like way that it captures the world and the texture that it brings. So I was very excited to meet this person who was shooting all their photographs on film. Excellent. And and thank you for shooting your photographs on film. <laughs> and, and, and so what we might as well jump to it now, this was shot on film, Mr. Roosevelt. So Noel, mm-hmm. why was it that you wanted to shoot this project on film? When I went to film school, everything was sort of transitioning to digital and everything I shot looked horrible. <laughs> and I thought that uh, it must mean that I, w- I didn't have innate talent and that I wasn't going to be a good director. So I kind of 
sort of changed course and went into editing. But one summer I interned in New York City and got a 35 millimeter point and shoot camera. And I, I took 36 rolls of film and did, couldn't afford to get it developed. And when I came back and I started getting the film developed, I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. First of all, film is amazing and it looks, it has that texture and familiarity and it captures light in such a particular way. But also because I wasn't looking over my shoulder constantly and judging myself, I developed an eye and I was actually about to drop out of film school <laughs> and I decided to stay one more year and I did my thesis on film versus digital and why I thought that film should survive the digital revolution. And I made this big case and I did like a whole year long project taking a bunch of photography. So when it came time to shoot my first feature film, it was always in the back of my mind that it would be really amazing to shoot film. And it wasn't until Damar came on that it actually became a possibility because she also agreed that we should be shooting it on film. And I don't think without her support, we, we would have been able to convince everybody that it was a viable option. And when she was sending um, references for the film and ideas she had for the film, there were all these like, amazing photographs that she had pulled. And I was like, oh, my God, these are so great. And it turns out they were her film photography. So we just kind of have like a love we love each other because we love <laughs> mutual respect. A lot, a lot of, a lot of art, like art lady vibes. Being nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fantastic story. So basically had you not gotten that film developed, we might not be talking here today. Yeah. Like, first of all, if I had been able to afford the film getting developed, like after each role, yeah. I might've been like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> and then if I had, and then if I had never, if I just like never got it developed, yeah, yeah, we definitely would not be here because I would have given up. <laughs> so glad you didn't. Yeah, me too. Hey. Me too. I, I don't want to spend too much time on your thesis, but that sounds pretty awesome. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can I get a copy of it? <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, it's maybe. so funny because I think I, I did this whole, it was like a whole year long project, but I wrote it like, I feel like in what felt like maybe 72 hours and I don't think I had time to spell check it but recently I found it I found it in a box and I was looking through it and I was like damn this is good nice. <laughs> very very solid uh, case and I think it I'll go on the record and say I saw that Noel. I saw she sent it to me after and I was like we should have used this when we were trying to convince the production that yeah. we needed to do a film it's so thorough and maybe really, you should like really yeah well like done copy it and just you know <laughs> throw it around in the street somewhere for right. people to, to grab yeah. onto. Yeah. Oops, <laughs> it comes I with the DVD it. when you buy the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember what your what the reaction was in your class to it? Um, well, um, I had like um, I remember that I threw a big art show for it um, where I got all these photographers that I knew in college that shot on film to play their photography and I got bands together and I know that nobody from my department showed up and I was very upset. <laughs> oh no. It was really, it was one of those things in my life where I, I maybe just like recently was like, that was really messed up. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, oh, it's okay. I think it's, you know, I, my, the, the major that I did it for wasn't the film, wasn't my radio TV film. It was uh, liberal arts degree that I did my thesis for. Okay. And so I think it was a little strange to them and they were like, We're supposed to show up to your art 
space and do what? <laughs> Not very liberal-minded. Right. Fair enough, yeah. So, so Dalmar, have, had you shot film previously for this, like for any of the projects you worked on? Yeah, um, so I went to UCLA for grad school and was lucky enough to shoot a lot of projects while I was there on film. The school's pretty great because they take like three cinematographers every year and 18 directors, so you really get a chance to really explore the craft of cinematography and shoot a lot of projects. And most at the time when I was there, mostly everyone was shooting their second-year film on on 16, and then people who were lucky enough to either get a grant from Kodak, thanks so much for the support, guys, um, <laughs> would get to shoot on 35 for their thesis film. So um, I'd been lucky enough to do that with a number of collaborators there. Then coming out of school, it was harder to get productions to sign on to it because by then digital was really taking off and everyone was like, going that way because they were like, oh, I can get my budget slower, which actually isn't true when you break it down. It can, it can still be quite affordable. Like this movie, Mr. Roosevelt, is quite a small movie. And I think the thing that I miss a lot uh, transitioning over to shooting projects on digital was like everyone was losing their sense of focus. Like on set, you can notice the crew being a little more relaxed, like, a, not, I, want to, I don't want to say sloppier, but, like, people were a little like, well, they'll just roll again if this thing isn't perfect. Whereas when I noticed, and it happened on our set, too, like, there's a limited number of takes you can do because you have a physical limited number of stock on hand. And so everyone is throwing their all into the take, and I really love that when everyone, the synergy of the whole crew coming together and really focusing every department is trying to give their absolute best for the take because they know that like we might not be able to actually roll again because we physically can't and that in a way force forces everybody to focus and become more creative and I really like that and Noel what about as a director I mean and an actress really what is what does film do for you um well I agree with everything that Amar says about the the focus of it. I, you know, I've been on as an, on an, just on the acting side, when you're on set shooting digitally, it's just like, there's just like a little lackadaisical feel to everything. It's like, nothing seems to matter as much. You just keep rolling. I, I find the lack of focus to be almost like a waste of time, even though you would, you would think that digital should be saving you time. One of the things that we, there was a big concern about, for the film was they were like, don't you, you you're going to have a hard time watching playback. And we, we had a playback on a little DV recorder and it was like smaller. Our, our screen was smaller than an iPhone. What we could watch back, but I didn't want to watch it back. I was just like, if I, if we're getting it and everybody's doing their job, right. And I can trust that Dalmar knows if she's got it or not. I don't need to micromanage. I get to focus on making sure all the other pieces are coming together and we'll only watch it back if we're concerned about if something was in frame or if maybe the performance wasn't quite right or something got cut off. But um, I really, I I just liked it when we just threw, like, we were like, we're not watching anything back. We're just going to shoot this. Dalmar operated the camera, so she's she's in control of the whole situation. Everybody gets to act, and it just becomes more of a concert rather than uh, like, okay, let's stop, let's watch it, mm-hmm. let's right. see, I don't know. I just really like it. It just makes it more magical. And also weird weird magic kind of happens that you could never have even anticipated when you sort of let go of the reins like that. 
Right. It felt like we were all dancing together at different times. Like, it's so nice when you're operating because you're the first viewer of the scene and you're feeling the energy with the actors and you're becoming a part of the scene. And there were definitely sequences. I'm thinking of the sex scene late at night where we were like, we're just going to go in this room and there's a couple lines they have scripted out and we're going to see what happens. And Andre Highland and Noel were so funny and we're just like all moving around together and it just becomes this organic dance and uh, it's just really lovely to work in an intuitive way and be inspired by what's happening around you and kind of work together right. I think a lot of people were like I mean there were definitely times where it was like a, it adds a certain level of stress to have like the limited amount but I feel like that pressure cooker actually causes people to as I was saying become more focused and work harder and really everyone felt so accomplished at the end of the day when you're like oh we got through all this together yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was nice to see when everything actually ended up gelling and it started just working like a really smooth machine and it was very satisfying. I wanna say one really funny thing about you were talking, Noelle, about our little like video tap that we had for previews. During the party sequence we had all these extras who came in from the university film class to like be extras in the scene. And they were obviously really excited about the fact that we were shooting on film and they were like taking it all in, in addition to being background party extras. And a couple of them could see the little video tap on the side, which is like a very like sort of, you know, it doesn't have a lot of latitude. Um, it's black and white. You can barely make out what's happening on there. It's mostly used for framing, but they didn't know know that and they were like this is such a cool bold look that you guys are doing like <laughs> they thought that's how the movie was actually gonna look and i was like that's so cool that they're open they're open to this you know right, right. i think people are ready for things to look different now everyone like shoots on the alexa and there's like oh yeah you can i love it it's a great camera but everything's starting to look the same everyone's using the same lenses and back when you were shooting film it was like you could like push it a little bit, pull it a little bit. You could like do your own custom stuff to it. Everything looked like a little bit different. There were more variables to play with. And now it's kind of like, oh, which set of lenses are you using? And are you putting a filter in front of it? There's less steps along the way to make it look unique. And I think people want that. They're excited about having things look different. Yeah, for sure. And we have not mentioned yet, but it was 16 millimeter, correct? Yeah, Super yeah. 16, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Noel, you, you, this was your first film you were going to direct, and so you directed, wrote it, and acted in it. Like, you went all out, all, all across the board, all the things you could do. Um, well, she could have played the cat. I mean, right, well, true. Okay. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but so when you're doing that, like, as you're writing, are, do, the, do those tasks stay discreet in your mind? Like, are you writing and thinking about acting as that character, or are you able to sort of compartmentalize? Like, how did you approach kind of taking all of that on at once? I think I usually just have a sort of image and a feeling of what is going to happen. And so then writing is translating that to other people. But ultimately, the end goal is always to sort of direct it. And so as far as like directing versus acting, I do have to compartmentalize it. And especially to sort of stay objective and remove myself and my ego from it. It's like me as an actor, I'm somebody, I'm different. I'm somebody that the director has to direct <laughs> and I have to get a performance out of this person. Mm -hmm. But as an actor, it's while I'm paying attention, especially if I'm like directing other actors, I have to sort of, even as an acting, I have to be paying attention to what they're doing at the same time. And 
I don't exactly know how I do that. I think that there must be two, there's just two different things that are happening. And I know that sometimes me as the director would interrupt me as the actor when the actor was doing something fine. And I've learned, I don't know, I've learned that now as a director, I should let myself keep going, if that makes any sense. I don't know. It's a very weird, it's yeah. weird. And it's, yeah. weird to, it's weird for actors to, to, I could see, because I'm, because I'm very sensitive, I could see what the actors were thinking as they were acting with me. And I was like paying attention to how, I was like, they're not in the scene because they're worried about what I'm thinking of them as the director, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so it's, it's not the easiest thing to do, but I think, like, if I were to work with all these actors again, I think now that they would totally trust me. Right. Sure. I think, Noelle, it's kind of like watching, uh, watching you do this and balance all those things. It's like when I watch a really awesome drummer, and I can't be a drummer, and I'm just like, how are they doing all those different rhythms at the same time with, like, <laughs> different parts of their body? It's like their brain can do all this stuff at once. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of like that. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. I've always wanted to be a drummer. <laughs> what would you say was the most unexpected challenge as a director? You have no idea what it's going to be like. It's your first time. You know, I hate saying it. Well, you know, I had to, I learned a lot about myself. And so I didn't expect that I'd learned so much about me, Noelle, and the things that I, that I need and I want, and, and also the things that I'm capable of. But the hardest thing genuinely there's such a mystique to making film and everybody comes into it for different reasons. And even your crew comes into it with a different sort of goal in mind. Some people like really want to make, they really want to do their job. Well, some people want to be a part of a movie. And so I guess I was just more, the hardest thing is like encountering all sorts of different types of egos. Mm -hmm. And when I, I feel like I'm always giving the people benefit of the doubt that they're, that, that they just want the best, for themselves and for me and that they're there to work. And I was really surprised like how much resistance, not just even filming the film, but even post-production and how many people have like really big egos. And they also really talked, I got talked down to a whole lot. And I guess I've been sort of struggling with this my whole life as a creative, but this was the first time that I was like, wait a second, this isn't me. I'm not doing anything wrong. If anything, I'm just not standing up for myself and I'm, I'm bending over backwards to accommodate other people that don't understand what I'm doing. So if anything, I've just become like more of a badass. <laughs> 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 and, and, and the help with Dalmar too, who has worked, has way more experience on sets and has worked with other female directors. I mean, she could see things from a mile away that I wasn't even like aware of that were happening. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like an important lesson to learn for yeah. sure. And, and also, by the way, there were more, more nice people than, people that were problematic it's just i guess i just had like this idyllic version of how it was going to go and i'm like oh wait this this right. is like should be a bit like making a movie is more of a business than it is like yeah. having a family right right if if that was the most unexpected challenge what was the most unexpected reward like what did you take from it that you're like wow this was like it was it getting to know yourself more and your limits or was there something else that you came across where like this was something really special that i took from this my favorite thing was Seeing people do their do things well and do things that surprise themselves and and I don't know I, that I liked I don't know I liked seeing how that all sort of evolved and even if the you know I, you have ideas of the way it's gonna the movie is gonna be 
And then at the end, it's something totally different. But I guess I'm really surprised at, at how lovely the film ended up being and how you do end up getting every single thing that you need. Like, you might have thought you needed something else, but it turns out you do get every piece that you, you need for what this movie ultimately would be. And the film is lovely, and there's so many great things. And it debuted at South by Southwest to great reviews. And since you've gone on to get other accolades from different festivals and awards and things like that, how important is the festival circuit and is that that mechanism to get an independent film launched? I don't know. I mean, I think it's been, I think because the film is a comedy, I think it's been doing well because festivals are people coming out to a theater and watching it together. And so that creates a level of synergy that is kind of non-existent in this world where everybody's watching things online um, and, you know, streaming. So I found that, I find that just personally rewarding getting to see the movie with an audience because I was, that's how I always imagined it being viewed. As independent filmmakers, and this is for question for both of you, is like, are streaming services like Netflix and studios like that, or kind of more non-traditional studios, are those starting to impact your business? Like, are those factors when you're trying to figure out how to launch an indie film? I'm lucky enough to not have to think about that side of stuff as much. I'm, I get to work with the collaborators who have, have kind of have that stuff in place, and they come to me to help, like, get their visions out into into a piece that can be watched and enjoyed by other people. I'm definitely, when I'm framing movies, still thinking about the big screen and how it's going to play on the big screen, even knowing that a lot of people are watching stuff at home now. I prefer going to the movies. It's different. It's like you can ex- like you can experience stuff on your own, but when you experience it with a group, you just have a much different reaction. When I was growing up, my mom... I we didn't really have religion growing up in my house, but my mom used to always joke that we would go to the church of cinema and we would always go to the movies and watch movies there. And like, I kind of think like, yes, people can have their own faith anywhere in their lives and at home, but like, there's something really human about wanting to be together in a group and experience something. I think that's why people still love going to big sporting events or concerts and like being, seeing a movie together in the theater is is just different than seeing it by yourself. And yeah, sometimes I'm very tired and I want to be on the couch and just watch a movie at home and it's cozy, but it's a different viewing experience. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually went to the movies last night and I was the only person in the theater. First of all, it was like four o'clock. So, okay. But, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) and and then this older gentleman came in like right before the movie was going to start and he sat two seats away from me naturally. Right. And mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. first I was like kind of annoyed. I'm like, dude, really? Like right there, <laughs> you know? And then and then I just realized like, actually he was kind of like keeping me company, you know? Like I, yeah. I like uh-huh. him being there, you know? He he may have fallen asleep during it, but that's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it, it dawned on me. Like, actually I, I like having him there. Like yeah. we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. It would have felt weird to be in a movie theater completely by myself, but yeah. The the cool thing that's happened with this film is that we're getting to dabble in every market, it seems like. So we've had a really solid festival run. I've gotten to go with the movie to all sorts of different audiences, and we're doing a limited theatrical release, and so, you know, we're going to open it up to a paying market, and then it's going to end up on Netflix streaming, and we'll also be on VOD. And so this movie's gotten to dabble in all the different areas that a movie can 
potentially end up. But I do hope that the the push, I, I do hope that we can get more unique films and cinema and that we can prove that people are interested in, in seeing all sorts of types of films in the theaters, not just movie franchises. Right. I mean, I certainly, I miss, I miss that. I miss going to see something unique. And now that we don't have video stores, it's like, you know, this sort of experience of like going into the world and discovering something new or bizarre. Um, it does, it's just like, where do you get that? And if you're just watching it at home by yourself, I feel like, especially with just internet culture, it's like everything sort of leans towards a level of toxicity and anger. Mm-hmm. And when you're out and about and you're seeing people, you're like, wait, we're humans. Like we're laughing at this together. It's more, it, the experience is something totally different. Right. Yeah. And in, in a way, the, the internet culture is isolating people more into, into tribes and silos and groups versus allowing us to experience things together. But yeah. do you, do you think places like, I mean, I definitely friends of the Kodakery, the Metrograph theater in New York, as an example, we talk about them a lot on the show, the Alamo draft house. There's a lot of theaters that seem like they're trying to create a different type of cinema experience. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that that's making an impact in terms of getting people out into theaters? Anytime I'm back in Austin, I go to the Alamo draft house because it is an experience. Yeah. And we just got an Alamo draft house in Brooklyn um, and I've always been a big fan of the Metrograph, and I and something like I love too about the Elmo is like the little clips they put before the movie. Like we went to see Blade Runner, and before it, they had like a collection of, you know, the Ryan Gosling won't eat his cereal clips from YouTube <laughs> yes. that the person made, and it was amazing to see those on the big screen. And I really like that; it makes it more special than if you just turned it on at home. Yep. Um, I, I know we're, we're closing in on, on time. Where can people go see Mr. Roosevelt right now? Um, <laughs> great question. Well, they can go to mrroosevelt.com, which is mr-roosevelt.com, to see updated screenings. And we have more screenings sort of trickling in through December and then in the land on Netflix, um, December 26th, the day after Christmas. So hopefully you can watch it with your family. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things, as you, especially Noel, looking at at your your career, like you've kind of been, you've been in lots of different things. You've done television. You were on SNL for a little bit. You were talked about editing. You went to film school. You're directing and acting. Do you think that the industry has changed to allow for more flexibility? Like it used to kind of be like you're a TV star or you're a movie star or you're this or you're that, and in a way, it seems like the like the entertainment industry is starting to replicate like other industries where you don't have a job for 30 years where it's the same, you're bouncing around, you do different things. Like how, how are you seeing it change and what opportunities are, are that providing for you as a young filmmaker? I think the flexibility that I've experienced is just because there's just so many more resources. I think, you, you know, you have a computer and you can work as an editor and you can work from home and you can, um, I can be a photographer and scan my film and put it online and uh, <laughs> I can go film a music video if I want to. And I, I don't know. I just think that maybe there's just the economy of, of being able to do a lot of things. is It's just things seem a little bit more accessible. And then it's also as these like institutions and paradigms are sort of shifting and being broken down, it's like the way to succeed is you kind of have to know how to do a lot of things. I mean, I don't know if I would have ever been able to be an actor or I don't know how I would have broken in as an actor like I have 20 years ago. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I just don't know how to do it, but I kind of took it into my own hands. I mean, I'm just doing, honestly, I'm just trying to find ways to express myself. And 
um, it's nice that it seems to the industry seems to be meeting it. Yeah, right. I I also think on the other side that a lot of times I've noticed from different female collaborators I've worked with, it's almost like the industry wants to see that they can do everything before they trust them and let them do bigger things. Mm -hmm. I think, like, uh, friends I know who've taken a path of, like, they made a web series first, and then then they were able to get agents because there's feature, then they were able to do... It now because tools are more accessible, people are like, I'm just gonna show, I'm just gonna express myself, and I'm gonna show that I can do that. People are like, oh, okay, we can trust this person. We see that they're making something. Yeah, I mean that. Well, that's a bummer, but it it does <laughs> <laughs> it does offer a proof point, and the internet provides that. You know, right. you now have access to share your work, like on YouTube yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So that's kind of cool too. So as a final question, um, what what drives you both to tell stories? I mean, are you trying to tell a story for yourself? Are you trying to tell a story for your audience? Like, what is it as, as a storyteller, and what is it that's driving you to create, really? I am trying to communicate things that I feel like I know and I understand. And I also genuinely just want to bring people together. And I want to entertain people. I want to make people happy. I don't know. I, and also desperately trying to express and connect and let other people know that they also are allowed to do that. And that's actually what the human experience is all about. And I think you do that through stories and showing like people's journeys and evolution. I think the thing I'm most drawn to with storytelling in my life and in the things that I make is empathy and wanting everyone to step outside of themselves and have empathy with other people, with other subjects, to be able to put themselves into the story that we're telling and have them have an emotional reaction. And whether that's like they're watching a drama and they're crying and they're identifying with the struggle the person's going through or they're having a comedy and they're laughing at the horrible, awkward situation our protagonist has found themselves stuck in, like having people experience Experience empathy because I think we need more of that in the world and also it's a wonderful way for people to get to explore different emotions from a safe space of watching a movie and I think like my sister and I used to like steal my dad's like VHS camcorder and go make these dumb little plays and that's how I first started making films I would film them and they would put on this play and I think I've always loved um, operating the camera and being alongside the director and helping them make this story and go and like figure out what are the things that I can add and contribute that help bring empathy into the story that we're trying to, to get the audience to experience. Like if we place the camera here, if we frame it this way, does that put the person more into the journey that our characters are going through? How do I get people to empathize more? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, both of you, on the show. It's It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Everybody out there, go see Mr. Roosevelt. We'll put links in our show notes to the uh, to the, the website where you can go get more information about it. Check it out. It'll be on Netflix the day after Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Um, and, and thanks again, both of you, for joining us on the show. Thank you. It is a great satisfaction to be able to speak to you through the medium of this wonderful invention.